Let's start with a poll on good and evil, and that's why I wore white and black. So there you go, good and evil. Get it? A flair for the dramatic. So pull out your smartphone. If you don't have your phone with you, do it with the person next to you, this poll. So get friendly, introduce yourself, say hello, and you can do this poll. Scan this with your camera app on your phone. If that does not work, just go to the website, sanctuaryic.org slash poll. For those of you online, you can do that same thing. Go to sanctuaryic.org slash poll. This poll is good and evil. I'm going to read it so the folks who listen later on the podcast can uh, get, the, get the questions. Which of the following statements, this is question number one, which of the following statements is more true? People are basically good, people are basically evil, or neither? Question number two, which of the following statements is more true? Babies are basically good, babies are basically evil, neither. Question number three, which of the following statements is more true? I am basically good, I am basically evil, neither. Of course, that refers to you as you're doing the poll, not David, right? Okay. <laughs> and number four, the final one, which of the following statements is more true? God sees me as basically good. God sees me as basically evil or neither. Again, you can pull out your smartphone, go to this poll on our website, do that. We're going to start to track live results, folks. You've got 15 more seconds. Okay, it looks like we're about done. So let's walk through these. Let's see where we're at. We got uh, question number one. Looks like 70% about said people are basically good. We've got 27 or 28% saying neither, and then the rest people are basically evil. Let's go question number two. Babies. Okay. 21% said babies are basically evil. Wow. All right. Oh, 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 you're totally right. I'm wrong. Sorry. Podcast listeners, be not afraid of sanctuary. It's 21% said neither. No one said babies are basically evil. Okay. And then 78%, 79%. Okay, next one. Number three, Uh, I am basically good. We got 67%. So little changes there from number one to three, but the neither's holding steady, about a quarter. And then number four, God sees me as basically good. Okay, it jumped there, 83%. Fascinating. So when we're making the moral judgment about ourselves or other humans, more of us tend to think we're evil, and some of us then choose God's perspective is good. All right, you can take that down. Michael, thank you so much, our projectionist. Yay. All right, now, this is an opinion poll, all right? And what that means is we're registering our opinions. There's no right or wrong answers to those questions that we just took. Within Christian theology, there have been lots of ways that Christians have made sense of these questions and lots of answers that they've come up with. Most of us here at Sanctuary have been shaped by Christian traditions that emphasize the evil aspects of humanity. Okay, and I want to give you some examples of these. These are different Christian traditions. I'm going to go through them pretty quickly, and they're all pretty pretty short. But here's the first one from the Methodist tradition. They say, humanity is inclined to evil continually. 
the Presbyterian and Reformed traditions, and also this tracks with evangelical traditions generally, humanity was made opposite unto all that is spiritually good and wholly inclined to all evil, and that continually. They use the word continually again. So when the Methodists and the Presbyterians agree on something theologically, you know we're in trouble. <laughs> the Catholic tradition summarizes it. Humanity has lost our original holiness and justice. And the Lutherans, not to be outdone, say humanity has an entire absence of all good, a deep, wicked, horrible, fathomless, inscrutable, and unspeakable corruption of the entire nature and all its powers. <laughs> Whew. Okay, so by the way, I got these from Daniel Schroyer's book called Original Blessing, Putting Sin in Its Rightful Place. Again, Daniel Schroyer, um, great book. So she tracks all of these theological statements from their different traditions, tying them to what we call original sin. Original sin is a traditional Christian theological position that says that humanity inherits an innate sinful nature. All of us, when we are born, are born fallen into sin. And we inherited this nature from Adam and Eve, the very first humans who disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden. Now, there's an alternative to the theological position of original sin, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. It is called original blessing. Original blessing is a term popularized by Matthew Fox in, in a book called Original Blessing in the 1980s. Uh, this, too, is called Original Blessing. I'm sure you can find others. Uh, many, many traditions within Christianity have emphasized this doctrine. Uh, so the phrase is like from the 1980s, that's where it became more popular. But the ideas associated with it are very old. They are ancient, in fact. They precede Christianity, which we'll get to in a little bit. But within the Christian tradition, leaders and theologians like Bonaventure, Duns Scotus, St. Francis, and all of the Eastern theologians emphasize original blessing rather than original sin. So what is original blessing? Original blessing is a doctrine that God's perspective towards humanity is only blessing. God's perspective towards humanity is only blessing. That humanity's fundamental status in terms of our relationship with God is beloved. We are God's beloved. And even when we mess up, which we do, catastrophically, nothing changes about God's intentions of blessings toward us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, wrote the Apostle Paul. So in this way, I don't know if you're tracking with this, but original blessing tries to sidestep the moral judgment entirely. We're not going to make a moral judgment on humanity. We're just going to describe how God sees us, which is blessing upon blessing upon blessing. That's it. So I want to look at one of the earliest texts in our Bible that demonstrates original blessing, and it comes from Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 establishes the fundamental relationship between God and humanity. Now, Genesis chapter 2 
is a different creation story than Genesis chapter 1. They're two totally different creation stories. And they're actually from two different developed traditions, ancient traditions, that someone, when they put the whole Bible together, pulled from this tradition, and then they pulled from this tradition, and put the creation stories back to back, Genesis 1, Genesis 2. Now, even though this is pretty fascinating, but even though Genesis 2 comes second, it precedes Genesis 1 in origins by 400 years. And Bible scholars have all kinds of ways that they figure this stuff out. But Genesis 2 is a more ancient, more foundational, older, more, uh, whatever, older, yeah, story than Genesis chapter 1. All right, so with that, let's look at the opening scene of God and humanity, the dawn of creation. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, when no plant of the field was yet in the earth and no vegetation of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground, but a stream would rise from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God, formed a human from the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. And the human became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there the Lord God put the human whom the Lord God had formed. Okay, this is an origin story. And just like every Marvel movie origin story, it gives away everything. All of what we see here impacts the rest of the story. In this story, God, a master artist, a sculptor, stoops down into the earth. God picks up a lump of dirt and dust and clay and forms it into a little fragile human. God stoops down over this creation, this little human. And God breathes into that human's nostrils, into the human's face. The human breathes their first breath and looks up and opens their eyes. And what do they see? The face of God. God has created the first human And the human beholds God. And what is God's gaze upon humanity but one of love and affection and devotion and pride? This is my masterpiece, says God. This is my creation, humanity. God takes a little human and puts that little human in a garden where God knows the the human's going to flourish and thrive because God's only intention for this little creature is for that creature to thrive and flourish and to love. So this is humanity's origin story, and it gives away everything. The human in this story is representative of every single one of us. In fact, In the story, that word human in Hebrew is gender neutral, or it's a gender neutral person, a human. And it's only later that when the human is separated into man and woman, and those are different Hebrew words. 
So we have this human who is universal. Every single one of us is there in that moment. We are the ones being formed by God. We are the ones in whom God is breathing God's spirit. We are the ones beholding the face of God. And God looks at us with blessing and love. Now, there are so many other scriptures that take up this main one, and they start riffing off of it. And they play with the images and even expand on them. So here's an example from Psalm 103. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear God. For the Lord knows how we were made. The Lord remembers that we are dust. So if you see the turn here, this ancient song is is turning from creator to father. Remembering that we are dust, this father full of compassion for God's children. This image, and many others like it, linked to original blessing, are what shaped our Bible. It is the the fundamental, the primary relationship between God and humanity is one of blessing and beloved status. It is certainly the theology that shaped all of Jewish theology. There is no such thing as original sin in Jewish theology. It's not there because it's not there in their interpretation of the Bible, even of Genesis. This original blessing shaped Jesus. I mean, Jesus would have grown up singing Psalm 103. It would have been his imagination that God is face to face, breathing divine breath and spirit, and that we are subjects, objects of God's love and blessing. It's not that Jewish theology or Jesus looks at the world through rose-colored lenses, okay? People still mess up with disastrous consequences. But never, ever does the nature of God's intention and God's relationship towards us change. Now, going back to the Genesis story, you know, some of us are familiar with the events that unfold there, okay? That Adam and Eve become the first two humans, and they disobey God. God tells them, don't eat of the fruit, of the tree, of the knowledge, of the good and the bad. Don't eat that. And they do. And there are consequences. The tradition, or traditions, I should say, plural, within Christianity, take that story, and they universalize it, They say something happened in that moment that altered, that changed, that transformed humanity's nature. What was created good is now bent or fallen. And humanity is now innately evil. And we could go through all those adjectives that the Lutherans gave us. (laughs) Thank you, Lutheran Church. So original sin sees Genesis chapters 2 and 3 as a fall narrative. In the Jewish tradition, there's no such thing as the fall. It doesn't happen because it's not understood as a chronological narrative. Let me summarize with a chart. Um, In fact, before I do that, just, just again, let me emphasize, 
Jesus' tradition, the tradition that Jesus received and all the rabbis around him and before him, they did not receive a tradition of original sin or the fall. It, it was not there. And you can see evidence of that in the gospel text of how Jesus is preaching and imagining God and talking about God and embodying God, um, which we don't have time to go into all of that. But there's real, just clear evidence in Jesus' gospel, in Jesus' teachings in the gospels. But let me share a chart, though, that summarizes some of the differences now between original sin and original blessing, because I love charts. And you know this about me, those of you who know me. Those of you who don't know me, I love charts. I'm David. <laughs> so here's our comparison. You'll see right in the middle there. Under original sin, Adam and Eve caused sin to enter all humanity. humanity. The understanding here, the interpretation, is that it's a historical story of what happened. Even the traditions that read it sort of metaphorically, they still think something changed or there's a metaphorical thing that happened in the cosmos and the nature of humanity. Okay? Original blessing, however, sees that Adam and Eve are representatives of how humans may behave. It's a story of what often happens. It's often the case that we are in a good place and we still make bad choices. <laughs> And yet, God is still present, God is still good, God is still there, intending blessing. Nothing changes. Okay, so you see the other characteristics, which I don't have time to go into this morning, but there's a lot, a lot of implications of where do we land, right? What are we choosing here? Original sin or original blessing? And especially, that you can let last the lower lines there, about Jesus, how we understand Jesus' life and death and resurrection. So to summarize, original blessing sidesteps any moral judgment about humanity and instead emphasizes the divine perspective towards us, which is blessing and belovedness. We are the beloveds, the humans, the dirt creatures whom God has made. Okay, school starting uh, this coming Tuesday for Iowa City school folks. Woo woo. Um, all the teachers and educators in ICCSD just had like a bristle response. I know, I'm sorry. I didn't know how to start this story any other way, but just to say it. So sorry about that, teachers. Um, parents of young ones or kids in school are probably relieved that school's starting. Most of us, yes? Okay. Uh, I have two teenagers that are going to be in 9th and 10th grade at City High School. Go Little Hawks. Um, to get ready for school this past week, they asked me if I could do their hair. Okay, now, I've done their hair for a very long time, like from the earliest days. And uh, I, I mean, I like it. I've enjoyed doing it. I watch YouTube videos to learn how to do new things. And then Allie's, uh, my wife's sister, Brandy, is a talented stylist, so she gives them tips too. So. And Sally's Beauty Supply is five minutes away. You can do so much with Sally's. I mean, <laughs> Sally's Beauty Supply, amazing. Garden of Eden's got nothing on Sally's Beauty Supply. <laughs> Okay, but here's the thing. My kids, um, so Ben is black, Josh is Hispanic, 
And so there's a lot of things I've had to learn about their hair over time. Ben, especially, now he prefers to do twists in his hair, which can take a good two to three hours for me because I'm not that good. Um, and it just takes me a long time. Josh is now preferring perm to his hair, okay, which is one of the latest styles. And so that took me two to three hours. between. So between the cuts and the shampooing, getting the hair ready, and then doing the twists and the perms, I spent between five and six hours doing my teenage boy's hair. Hey, yeah. Wasn't expecting that, but thank you. Now, it's a lot, but here's the thing. I get five to six hours of uninterrupted time with my teenage boys. It's amazing. I would not get that time any other way. We usually put on like a sports thing or a movie, and we get to be side by side. I get to ask them questions. Sometimes they answer. <laughs> and I mean, but it's just great. It's personal. It's intimate. And I'm doing something that they really care about. They want to look good. And because they want to look good, I want them to look good. I want them to feel good about themselves. Here are the results, if I may. Josh with the perm, Ben with the twist. They're handsome boys. I love them. I love my boys. Even when they mess up, even when they are jerks to me, even when they disrupt the place I call home, we talk about those things, but in the end of the day, I just love them. And the only thing I want for them is blessing. That's it. That is the first, it is the primary, it is the only perspective that I have towards my boys. I love them. They are my beloveds. Friends, if I a dirt creature can experience that kind of love. What do you think God's perspective of my boys is? What is God's perspective towards every single one of us? We are God's beloved. That is it. That is it. It does not matter what we do, good or bad. Yes, there are consequences. Yes, we mess up. But at the end of the day, the fundamental perspective from God is blessing. That's it. It's when we forget that that we start to make some bad choices. But if we could just remember and receive that again and again, we would be so much better off living into original blessing. I want to close with a quote from Frederick Buechner. Uh, Frederick Buechner, he passed away this past week. Uh, he was a writer, wrote a lot. Uh, prior to that, he was a pastor and a theologian. 
And here's one of, one of his famous quotes, just amazing. And it frames original blessing very well. He says this, The grace of God means something like, Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Here is your life, friends, beloveds of God. God says, I am with you. I've called you by name. You are mine. Let us receive original blessing today. Amen. I want to close uh, with the simple prayer practice that we often take time for. So if you can, get comfortable, and we'll just lead into our prayer time. We're just going to center in our breath, our breathing, as we remind ourselves of the breath of God. Come, Holy Spirit, breath of God, fill us. I invite you just to take breaths, breathing in and out. If you have any thoughts or distractions, just tell yourself, there's a thought, and let it go. Breathing in, breathing out, the breath of God. Let us imagine, each of us, God's breath filling us, God's face before our face, with intentions of blessing and love. Jesus, lead us into original blessing and help us to live that out more and more in ourselves, in our primary relationships, in everything we do in this world. In your name, amen.